comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs, and one. Cal up top, Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. Watson, and a foul! This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. Aztec Nation, what is up? This is the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. I am your host. My name is Trone. I am not joined by Kyle today. Kyle had some work stuff going on, so it's just me flying solo for this one. If you haven't already, make sure to follow the show, do the whole like and subscribe deal, rate us with five stars, uh, find me on social media at Aztec Breakdown, whether it's Twitter, TikTok, uh, Facebook, Instagram, all of the all of the places, really, uh, to find video breakdowns and highlights and articles. Uh, you can go to AztecBreakdown.com as well to find all of these things. So make sure to do that and rate the pod well and all of the good things let's get into the show here because it's been a while since we have talked and a lot has happened and it's listen it's been a few days i don't know how many of you will want to talk about the game against colorado state i don't want to focus on it too much and especially the way it ended and and here's why was that last play against matt bradley a foul probably he he did get mauled right it all it all happened fast and even even on the screenshots you know it it can be hard to tell who initiated the contact the colorado state player's arm did come down and that doesn't have to happen even if somebody jumps into you so that's you know i think it was a foul uh was there a travel beforehand i don't think so I think maybe a reasonable mind could disagree whether Bradley's first step was a gather step or not, but it was definitely only three steps, not four or five. So don't let anybody tell you otherwise, you know, it was a gather one, two type of situation. But regardless, uh, I wasn't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not too worried about that because I just, I felt like Colorado state deserved to win the game if that makes sense and that's not to discredit the amazing run the aztecs had at the end that's not to discredit really anything else but colorado state played like the better team for for the majority of that game and i felt like they deserved to win it and i feel like these things tend to even out in in the end somewhere along the way and it's not always obvious to see it but i'll I'll give one example as, as we as we segue here to the Nevada game, I thought there was a play towards the end of the Nevada game where Nathan Mensa could have been called for a foul. I think the Aztecs were up by two. Desmond, or maybe even just one, Desmond Cambridge drove into the lane and jumped up and took a shot, uh, tried to take a layup, and there was some contact. It was body to body. Uh, Mensa's hands didn't come down, and I think if if they had, he might have been called for the foul, but he was very disciplined, but there was some body-to-body contact. And I thought that, you know, a, a ref could have called that as a foul, but they didn't. And so that would be 
you know, the universe's version of a makeup call, the basketball gods version of a makeup call, if you will. And so I feel like it was, it was a poor, the Colorado state game was a poorly refed game. And I think, I think that didn't just affect San Diego state, right? There was a, uh, a charge, I think on Roddy that they said he committed that I was like, that might not have been a charge or maybe it was somebody else. It doesn't matter though. The point is, I feel like these things even out in the end. And if this was like the only game that this had happened in, I would probably be much more upset, but there have been too many games that us as Aztec fans have been like, the refs were awful that game and that contributed to the loss. And that's, it's a hundred percent true. But at a certain point, I feel like if you want to be one of the best teams in the nation, and I, I mean, I say that, you know, meaning like a top 10% team, if you're, to, if you're in the top 10%, you're going to make the tournament. If you want to be one of those teams, you can't put yourself in these positions so much where that the refs have that much of an impact on your game, right? Gonzaga is not going to lose a game due to poor officiating, right? It's not going to happen because they're just so much better than everybody. Maybe that's not the best example, but like it, it's just happened to Aztecs and, and Aztec fans too many times this season. So I have transitioned, you know, after the BYU game, I was very upset about poor officiating, but I have transitioned to, Poor officiating is going to happen, but the Aztecs need to play better so that it doesn't have as much of an impact on the game. And, you know, moving on to the Nevada game, that one was hard to watch because Nevada is not a great team this year. And that's not to say they're a bad team. They're they're still, if you look at them nationally, they're an above average team. At worst, they're an average team, right? So they're not, they're not bad. They're bad for what the Mountain West is this year, but they're not bad objectively. And to add on to that, they were missing two of their top three players, two of their top three. And some would argue they're top two straight up. I I wouldn't go that far, but two of their top three players for sure were, were on the bench and the Aztecs still struggled with them. And I think there's some amount of like variance or luck in that right nevada i don't think you'd expect them to shoot over 50 percent from behind the arc all the time and that was a huge reason why they were so close in the game but still it's just it's not a good look when you're going up against what the eighth place team in the conference and you know you want to be one of the better teams and this eighth place team is down two of their best three players and you barely beat them by by two points it's not a good look so that was tough and it it comes down to the offense right and as an aztec fan i am a huge fan of defensive play and you know the whole defense wins championship things i think that's a great thing to build your culture around is the defensive side of the ball rather than the offensive side of the ball the issue if you are so heavily focused on defense though is that defense is very subject, at least from an analytical perspective, from a numbers perspective, it's very subject to just luck or variance. And what that means is you can close out on somebody the same way every time. And some of those shots will go in and some of them won't. And a lot of that just means like 
luck. It, like sometimes it might be a bad closeout, but if you have what is accepted to be a good closeout, some of those shots are still going to go in because there's it's you know there's that saying in football there's no defense for a perfect pass right and it's the same way with offense right there's there or with basketball there's no defense for a perfect shot you can't you can't stop it if it's a perfectly done shot even a perfect defense isn't going to stop it and so with that in mind no matter how good you are defensively there will be stretches of games or there will be just certain opponents that just get hot when they play against you uh michigan is a great example of that happening this season. Michigan is another team that is that is above average nationally, but they are, you know, kind of on the bubble of of the tournament, just like the Aztecs are. But they absolutely blitz the Aztecs, and their issue all season, very similar to San Diego State, has been offense and specifically three point shooting. But if you if you just looked at that game against the Aztecs, you would not think three point shooting was an issue because they made so many of them, and and players that haven't been making them all year made so many of them uh just they just got a little bit lucky right and that's that happened and that wasn't the only reason why they won and we don't need to rehash the michigan game but that was a part of it and so if if you're focused you know the aztecs are the number one defensive team in the nation the last i checked let's see if i can pull it up again really quickly but they are current yeah they're the number one defensive team according to ken palm in the nation by a range of uh, I guess they're they're it's real close. They're basically tied for number one, but by a fraction of a point, they are number one. But on offense, they are ranked 223rd on offense, and that's that's even to say that Ken Palm still has some data from last year's team that was pretty good at offense. Right now, it's not a lot, and it will be gone by the time. The month of February is over. I think it's February 21st or 22nd. Ken Palm has absolutely no input from the previous year. By now, it's it's very minimal. It's probably in the single digits of of like percentages, basically that it that it affects it. But there's still some, so it's being very slightly dragged up higher by last year's numbers, and it's still ranked 233rd. That is bad. All that is to say that the offense needs to get better, right? If the offense is even just average, then a lot of these games, whether it's a close game against Nevada, right? A, a team like Nevada gets hot. You have the offense to withstand it until your defense can pick it back up, right? The game against Colorado State, an average offense for that game wins you that game because you don't get down by 20 and... You know they don't get they don't get lucky at the end with with Isaiah Stevens losing the ball right into David Roddy's hands. That was the basketball gods wanted Colorado State to win that one is what happened there. So that's that's how that works. The offense needs to be better. Now the bright side of the offense lately has been Matt Bradley, and considering how he looked to start the year. It's really impressive, right? He looks so much better. His shots are falling. It looks like he's taking better shots. It looks like he's making better decisions. He's being more aggressive, attacking the rim rather than settling for these mid-range jumpers. He'll still shoot those mid-range, absolutely. And his three points shots are falling more, even when they're well guarded. Uh, but you can just tell there's there's a different aggression about him and a different level of of stamina. 
that that is helping him out. And he has been the offense for basically conference season. He's averaging over 20 points a game in conference season. He's averaging six rebounds and 2.1 assists. He has been the guy for the Aztecs. And so shouts out to him, right? We we said earlier on the pod when Bradley was struggling, like even though he's struggling, you have to keep feeding him. You have to keep feeding him because he's the guy that you need rolling when the games matter most. He is the best player on the team, even if the play didn't support it early on. He is the best player. He was the best player. He still is the best player. And you need to get him rolling. And it seems like that has worked. And he is he is rolling now. And it is, I'll tell you what, it is fun to watch. So that is that is great news to have him going. Now the issue is who else? Who else can get going to help out Matt Bradley here, right? Because the Aztecs have had a lot of games where it's Matt Bradley scoring a bunch and a bunch of other players score like five or six points and nothing else. So somebody needs to step up. And looking at the roster, there isn't there isn't a lot of a lot of hope for that. There there's some things, right? If uh if Adam Seiko gets gets on a hot streak again, right? He had he had a stretch where he made 10 three-pointers in a row across three different games and he hasn't made very many since then. So Adam Seiko is just a very streaky shooter. If he gets on a hot streak again, then the offense will look a lot better. Lamont Butler, right? He missed a lot of time with injury and then COVID pause. He did hit that very clutch three-pointer to uh, at the end of the Colorado State game, so that was promising. He also hit a couple clutch free throws at the end of the Nevada game. So he has that clutch gene, it appears, which is very encouraging, and it's just a matter of getting him into a rhythm throughout the rest of the game. So he might be able to do something. The thing that worries me about Lamont Butler is he, against a set defense, with the exception of like very specific scenarios, he struggles to finish at the rim. Basically his one move is he he can get to the rim very well, right? He's very quick with the ball in his hands. So he gets to the rim, but then he, then he jump, jump stops up fakes and hopes that the other player jumps up at the up fake and the mountain West defenses know that now. And so they aren't, they aren't jumping up at it. And if they don't jump up, he, he hasn't learned how to finish over and around those players without them jumping up and him drawing a foul. And so that'll be the next step in his development in terms of in terms of finishing at the rim. That's what he's going to need to learn next. And it's it's tough because he is a little bit shorter, but he he has the athleticism for it and he's a very skilled player. It's just another tool he needs in his tool belt, right? But so for this season that might be tough and that doesn't mean that he won't have double digit scoring games himself because if he can get there before the defense arrives, he can hit layups, he can dunk it, he's fine. His three-point stroke has also gotten a lot better, and he's hitting more three-point shots, so he has that going for him as well. But just that whole finishing at the rim thing, and even even like jump stops into mid-range pull-ups, he, he doesn't quite have that yet either. One thing that was really exciting, at least for me, was Trey Pulliam. Trey Pulliam 
against Nevada, he wasn't he wasn't great. It wasn't anything super flashy. I think he had either seven or nine points, but just the way it happened, it seemed like he was building more of a rhythm. It was nine. It was nine points, and his first shot was a three-pointer off of a screen. His defender went under the screen, so he just stepped up and, and hit the three, which was wonderful to see. If he has that in his arsenal, it's going to make the offense a lot deadlier. He hit one or two of his floaters that he loves so much, and so, and he hit a uh, one of those jump stop mid-range shots as well from the elbow. Pulliam later went on to the john and jim show they're right the radio show with john schaefer and jim russell i want to say i'm going to be put on blast for not knowing and i listen to it sometimes mostly if just they talk about the aztecs but he went on to that show and they asked him if he feels like he's getting into more of a rhythm and he said yeah you know i was out for a long time between he was out if you remember you know he missed the first game against unlv with his own stuff and then i think he came back for one game maybe and then and then it was covid pause so he was out for a while too. And so if he's starting to build his rhythm again, he looked a lot better when the season started, right? So if he can get back into that rhythm and, and be doing one of either doing some scoring at, at an efficient level, right? It doesn't need to be a whole lot, but 10 to 12 points in that range, right? And, and doing it efficiently would, would be key, right? If, if it takes 10 shots to score 10 points, not so much, but if he scores 10 points on, seven or eight shots that's good or facilitating the offense and getting you know four to six assists with like one turnover right he, if if pulling can do one of those two things the offense will look better than it has lately and i thought the nevada game was encouraging because it looked like he was starting you know he's in the beginning stages of getting that rhythm back this wasn't all the way there and we will have to see against san jose state which should be tonight for most of you listening to this but between between san jose state and between uh air force at home after that on saturday those two games will hopefully help polium but really the whole team get some offensive rhythm they are against some worse teams uh so you can hopefully build some stuff up. San Jose State is ranked 320th on defense. So, you know, if the Aztec offense isn't hitting, it's bad and it'll be another close game. But their defense has been bad all year. So hopefully it'll be like a like a tune-up game, right? Like when like when football teams play like some Division II team at, at the beginning of the year to hopefully just get their stuff down against somebody else. That's kind of what San Jose state will be like, hopefully at the very least on the offensive side of the ball, San Jose state is a little bit better with their offense. So it won't quite be that much, but they're still below average. So that's a thing, but hopefully over these next two games, the Aztecs can get some rhythm going, get some more chemistry down after, after some of them have been out for so long. Uh, and get things going on offense because this is basically the easiest stretch of their schedule, right? Was, was really, if we start even all the way back at the New Mexico game, New Mexico, they had, they had a six game stretch and four of those six games were home against New Mexico, which the Aztecs won by 25 home against Nevada, which the Aztecs won by two 
on the road against San Jose State, and at home against Air Force. Those were four of the six games, with the other two being on the road against Colorado State and then home against Utah State. And so this is the easiest stretch. If they're going to figure something out, now would be a great time to do it. And hopefully they do, because these next three games between San Jose State, Wednesday night, tonight for a lot of you, uh, Air Force on Saturday, and then Utah State the following Tuesday, the Aztecs, in my humble opinion, let's switch over to you know, March Madness and whether they can make it or not, they need to win all three of those games. If they lose a single one of them, then it they might not be mathematically out of the equation, but for all intents and purposes, they will be on the outside looking in and it will be win three games in March, right? Or go home. So they need to win all three. And the good news is San Jose State, that's not a resume builder. Um, Air Force, also not a resume builder. Utah State, though, at home, that's a quad two game. You win that, you added another quad two victory to your resume. That looks pretty good. And then after that, they have quite the gauntlet. They have on the road against Fresno State, three days after that, on the road against Boise State. Then they get a little break, three days after that, home against San Jose State. Three days after that, on the road against a tough Wyoming team. Three days after that, at home against Fresno State, and then finishing it up on the road against a Nevada team that will have their two stars back and will be playing in their own arena. That that one is a little bit scary. So these next three games are crucial. One, in order to just keep them alive through mid-February and not not hit any landmines and get a you know a slight resume builder with that quad two game against Utah State. After that, there's only the one landmine left of home against San Jose State, and every other game will likely be a quad two or quad one game. So in terms of like opportunities, they have lots of opportunities left. I think here's the thing to look for. They have nine games left. I'm not a braggatologist, and a lot of you know I don't even necessarily consider myself to be an expert, but here's what, what I am looking for as we go through this process. Nine more games. The Aztecs, in my mind, need to go seven and two or better in these last nine games. And that is going to be tough. And specifically, they need to win at least one of the three between on the road against Boise State, on the road against Wyoming, and on the road against Fresno State, because those will all be quad one games pretty much guaranteed, unless one of those teams has just a monumental uh, meltdown. Those will all be quad one games. So you win one of those, you have another quad one win on your resume. That's looking good. If you lose the other two, you have still won all the other games, which means you've gotten a couple more quad two games, uh, and you didn't hit the landmine of San Jose State at home. So I think if you do that, that might be enough. That it's it's kind of dangerously close. And at that point, it also might depend on how many bid stealers there are. But here's the other thing about that is not on the record yet. So for or not the record, but on the schedule yet is the Mountain West Conference Tournament. 
And as long as the Aztecs are a top five team in the seedings, basically every game they play, barring any weird upsets, will be a quad one game on a neutral floor. And at that point, you win one or two of those games, and now you have even more quad one wins on your resume, right? So there's there's that too. So seven and two with the caveat of you would need to win, you know, at the very least your first your first game in the Mountain West tournament. And the good news there is the Aztecs basically every year make it to the championship game. I think it's nine out of the last 10 years they've made it to the championship game. Maybe eight out of the last 10. Either way, it's a good, it's a good record. So that that's how the tournament is looking in my mind. If any of these games that are not quad one games are lost, right? If it's even if it's like home against Fresno, right? That's a quad two game, but that's that's going to be tough to come back from. If they lose either game against San Jose State, you can mark the Aztecs as done and and being on the outside looking in unless they get the auto bid. So that's that's how that is looking. It's it's basically going to come down to the Aztecs have an elite defense. How good can the offense get over the course of the next? nine games and especially over the course of the next three games to set themselves up for the six after that that is what we will be looking for at least that's what i will be looking for um but let me know what you think right you're listening to this hit me up on twitter on facebook on tiktok whatever you use hit me up let me know what you think let me know what record you think the aztecs need to make the tournament and also, you know what I'm, I'm interested in hearing from everybody is of the Mountain West teams, say we're talking like Mountain West tournament, which team scares you the most, right? Because for example, we've, we've played Colorado State twice. We beat them at home by 30. We almost beat them on the road, right? It would have been just by one, but even then we only lost by one on the road. I just, Colorado State's a good team, but I think the Aztecs match up really well with them. So I'm not worried about Colorado State in the Mountain West Tournament, right? I don't think I'm worried about Utah State in the Mountain West Tournament. We will see that game at home on February 15th will be very telling. But I don't think I'm worried about them. But Boise State worries me and Wyoming worries me because they both have a lot of size. That can cause the Aztecs problems. So let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter, comments, DMs, whatever you want to do. Let me know what record you think the Aztecs need, and who, if anyone, scares you. But with that, I know this is a shorter one, but I wanted to get this out quickly. So thank you all so much for listening, Aztec Nation, and I will catch you next time.